Today on the podcast, we were blessed by getting to sit down and chat with Jess Connolly, who is the author of Breaking Free from Body Shame. And she had so much biblical wisdom and such a beautiful picture of God's heart for us, for our bodies, how God sees our bodies, and the mindset we should put on as we step into stewarding our physical health in freedom and not fear. So we were just blessed by this time with her. We hope this conversation and authentic talk between women just like you um, really hits home and speaks to your hearts. Jess, would you mind opening us up in prayer? Is that okay? Yeah. I would be honored. Yeah. Father, I thank you for the internet. I thank you for these women. I thank you just for the capacity we have to come together and humbly want to get under alignment with what you're doing. And so, yeah, we just ask that even in this Zoom call that you would see your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Use us, use use our words, use our, our brief time together in Jesus name. Amen. Is it Jess? Do you go to Jess or Jessica? Yeah. Yeah. Would you uh, kind of fill us in and like who you are? And Uh, so I, um, my name is Jess and I, again, I'm from Charleston, South Carolina. I've got four kiddos and my husband and I lead a church in Charleston. And I also coach women uh, through specifically through out and out coaching, but also through writing and through speaking and, um, yeah, I'm really passionate about seeing women take their place in the kingdom and move forward in the abundance that's there for the taking. And so I've been in ministry really since I got saved. I've I've been in ministry for about like 22 years and um, in some capacity, just like obsessed with um, God's people and and them living in his abundance. And so I had been I had been writing books for a few years um, and had been in, in different like leadership capacities. And I was experiencing just so much healing and so much freedom in so many different areas of my life. And I realized that one huge unconquered piece of my life was uh, was the way I felt about my body. And my earliest memories in my body are feeling shame about them. My my very earliest memories are feeling just really other and, and not comfortable with my body. And unfortunately for me, I know this isn't everybody's story, but I think it is a lot of people's story. Um, once I became a believer and the more I got into ministry, the more I felt like that body shame compounded because all of a sudden now my body wasn't right for the world. And there was like this undercurrent of, of a connection to my righteousness and my goodness and my, my fitness for, for ministry or for using my God-given gifts. And so really from about the time I was 15 until about the time I was 30, I just lived in a spiral of, of not understanding what God thought about my body and um, abusing it, treating it like a project feeling like all of this was somehow righteousness. I'm feeling like this was somehow all like good and holy, this pursuit for an Americanized version of what beauty looked like. Um, And it wasn't until I was about 30 that I was like, this cannot be it. Like I cannot have freedom in all of these other areas. I cannot be experiencing abundance and healing and hope in all these other areas. And in this one space, just 
be hating myself and hating who God made me to be. And so I kind of just started pulling a string of like scripturally, like what is, what does God say about my body? What's its purpose? Um, you know, why do we have some, like, I just want to know, like, why do we have so much body shape? Why do women struggle with this so much? Um, and so truly that kind of like digging and that string pulling, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't wanting to write a book about it. I didn't want to lead about it. I didn't talk about it online. I just wanted to live free in my own body. <laughs> and um, through about a three or four year span of time, I really did experience a ton of healing. Um, I, I like worked with a therapist and I, um, I just kind of went on this like wild healing journey. And for me, it ended up looking like I actually um, got to kind of come home to my body in a lot of ways. And obviously y'all read the book. So, you know, I'm like a very physical person. I'm a really active person, but I actually wasn't before all this. So for me running towards freedom from body shame, didn't look like I stopped moving. It actually looked like I started moving. Like I felt the freedom to, to do those things and to explore those things. Um, and I had like no real plans, um, to talk about it a ton, I, my, my editor and I would throw around the idea, like one day we could write a body shame book. Um, and what happened is she came to me and my editor came to me on, uh, well, we actually had a meeting at the beginning of March in 2020, like it was, the anniversary of it was last weekend. Um, and I, it was one of the last flights I took pre pandemic and I flew to Nashville for the day to meet with her and talk about what was next. And I had no plans to write, um, for, for that year, I was going to take 2020 out from writing. And that day she said, you know, I think that a, a book about body image might be next. And I want you to consider that. And I was like, okay, I'll think about it. And so that night on the flight home, I pulled my laptop out and like ended up typing up the first chapter and just kind of closed my laptop and didn't think about it. And then the next week, the pandemic hit. And so I definitely didn't think about it. I was not the girl that was like, I'm going to write a book while we're all quarantined. I was, I was just trying to keep my head above water. Um, but she called me about halfway through April and she said, Hey, I have a question for you. And she said, how do you think women are feeling about their bodies right now? And I was like, bad, they're feeling bad. And she said, how do you think women are going to be feeling a year from now? I was like, real bad. Um, and so I actually don't share this in the book, but what I did then is she said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get every Christian book about body image that you can. I want you to buy every single one you can. And turns out that was about three. Um, and she said, then I want you to get every book about body image, like every book about, about body shape that you can, that's, um, that's secular. And she said, I want you to read whatever you can get your hands on. And then I want you to just see what happens. And so I think we had that meeting on like a Wednesday, Thursday, I placed an Amazon order. I started reading on Saturday and Monday. I was like, forget it. I'm writing this book because I just saw like the, the secular version of it was so broken and so devoid of the emphasis of like, this is not our own voice. We don't need our own voices to tell us our bodies are good. God actually tells us that. Um, but then I was just so brokenhearted over the Christian books I saw about it that were still really tied to, again, like a, a kind of cultural, consumeristic, Americanized version of beauty. They didn't, they didn't, they weren't separate from that. Um, and so, yeah, that's how the book came to be written. It ended up being the fastest book I ever wrote. I wrote it about six weeks. Um, and it was the most healing experience of my life. I would I'd wake up every morning and write and I'd shut my laptop and I would just walk around smiling for the rest of the day because 
I was finding in scripture and in my like study and research, what I hope to be true, that God does not, um, that God does not see our bodies the way we do. And he doesn't see them from a worldly perspective. And so I was just finding so much healing through writing the book that I felt so free, you know, myself to live into it. So yeah, that's the story of how Breaking Free came to be. That is so incredible. I love that you wrote it in six weeks and God was just ministering to your heart the whole time. And so it just felt so light and so easy and because it was an obedient yes. And it's so cool that you had someone too, like speaking that, like planting those seeds in your life. Um, in the process of like what you were going to write next. And so, um, I just love that. And I love how, so it's crazy reading your book because a lot of it, it's like, we have to unlearn so much in order to receive like the actual truth. And that's what's so wild about the world. And I coached people with nutrition for a long time. And then I just got, I started to feel so counterfeit because I was like, I'm helping people from the outside, you know, mm. change, but ultimately they'll go right back if the condition of their soul isn't well, right? Yeah. Every time we try to do things regimented in place of a relationship with the father, um, yeah, it's not, he sees so much differently than what we see. Yeah. So I just had a question that came to my heart that I wanted to ask, um, and what I wrote was, how do you bridge the gap and plant the seeds of true beauty to women who express the desire to change their body? So anytime mm-hmm. we're in a circle of women, oftentimes people are like, oh, they say something about wanting to change externally. Can you give us like a couple examples of like yeah, what we could say to challenge the upside down worldview and affirm God's voice over a woman's life in that moment. I love that question. And I, it's the, the, the breaking free is in the practical. Like it's, it, it has to be, it has to, there has to be practical things that we could do or else it's just like too heavenly good and it's not earthly good. Um, so I think one of the most powerful tools, because I do think a lot of us feel like we have to like change the conversation and we have to correct people. Um, And I felt like that for a long time. And then God showed me the power through my husband, I'll say uh, the power of just asking questions. So a lot of times my husband's the world's best question asker. We always make fun of it. If I I come home from work and he says, how was your day? I'll say it was good. And he'll say, why was it good? And I'm like, I don't know. Now I have to think about it. Like, I don't, I don't know. Let me think about it. Um, and so a lot of times if a woman is talking negatively about her body or the expectations that are on her body, I'll just say like, tell me more about that. Or like, why, you know, if a woman's like, all right, summer's coming, got to get ready. I'll just like plant a soft smile on my face and say like, okay, tell me more about that. Why, why do you feel like that? And which then makes her say, she, she actually has to say with her mouth, like, because that's what is expected. You know, she has to then like own it with her own words or, or even more so she might have to say like, because I want people to think I look good in my bathing suit. So then I can say like, why, why does that matter? Why do you, why, 
<laughs> you know, tell me more. I'm curious, you know? Um, and I just feel like that can really help like that actual practical tool of just saying like, Oh, interesting. Tell me more. Or I, I think interesting is the most helpful word in the entire dictionary because what interesting does is that when I say like interesting what I do is I like place a wall in between me and that statement that gives me a little bit of space and gives them a little bit of space for me to say like I'm, I'm actually not putting that on me and I'm not putting something on you either I'm just saying that's interesting to me um my husband says my when I say interesting it's like a cuss word he's like I'm I'm like he's like when you say interesting I have to look out um but it just becomes this really nice little placeholder of like that's interesting and then and, it, and it's not you saying to someone like I I can't believe you said that or "Ooh, I don't think that at all or that's super hurtful it's just saying like that's interesting and then it makes them pause and say like it is interesting <laughs> You know, where did that come from? Um, so I feel like that's one really helpful tool. That being said, I'm, I have absolutely in the past, and I'm sure I will in the future, have really lovingly also placed a smile on my face and said like, hey, I love you. Um, it is, it's actually pretty harmful for me to have this conversation. Um, and I've said to women, just as an FYI, you know, a lot of women struggle with disordered eating. Um, I might not look like someone who struggles with disordered eating to you, but it's it's a it's a it's a thought process and a and a really toxic spiral for me. And this is not necessarily like a healthy conversation for me to have. I, I bless you if you want to have it with someone else, um, but it's I, it's not the best for me. And that I think also helps women pause and say like, is this a healthy conversation for me? You know. Um, so that's been helpful for me too. Um, I think that's really powerful, the, helping women kind of self-reflect in those things of, especially Christian women, of who are we really pleasing? Because, you know, yeah. we need to be pleasing God. And um, it helps them kind of come out of that ditch where they're, <laughs> where it's just a spiral of everywhere they turn, they're pleasing somebody or something. They're first the one that will pull us out of that hole. And so I think it's really powerful to help them kind of stop spinning around trying to please all these different things. Um, yeah. And so I love the question. I love the pause too. Like, you know, just the pause to ask the question or say one little thing that makes them pause to be like, wait, what just happened? <laughs> so I love that. That that was really um, practical tool that I know all of us could use for ourselves as well. Um, when we're doing something and feeling out of control and in chaos. Um, my one question was, um, oh, so you're talking about boundaries, kind of like I'm, that's something I'm not going to do. So what if, what is something you do? I know, let me try to put this correct. I know like as Christians, you've got the flow. You're like, oh, I feel good. I'm confident in how the Lord calls me who he is and what he says. And then you hit this place and it's kind of like, oh my gosh, why am I so worried about my body today? Why do I feel so, or yeah. a lot of us make excuses that it's during our period time and <laughs> we're like, we're yeah. feeling very weak. And um, what are some of the things that you do to step back in under his wing um, when you sometimes feel in that spiral of starting to compare or, um, you know, trying to feel more in control of what you're eating or you're feeling out of control and you're kind of binge eating. Um, yeah. Would there be any kind of advice as like the first step? 
Yeah, that's such a good question. And I love how you say we, we blame it on our periods. We do. We blame it on a million different things. <laughs> um, and that's not to say that like menstruation does not throw a, throw a wrench in this situation. But um, so it's interesting. I feel like the, the most healthy thing that I can do either way, whether it's like I'm, I'm spiraling in shame or I'm spiraling in obsession or like I'm starting to neglect my body. Um, for me, I think one of the most helpful tools is asking like, wait, hold on, what triggered this? Like what just happened? Um, I don't know. I mean, similarly, I don't know if any of you guys feel this way. I, um, I would say, especially now that God's brought a lot of freedom to like some of my more like eating and movement um, patterns, I've noticed new ones crop up because that's who we are. We're humans. So I noticed in the last year, specifically like 2020, 21, that I, that shopping was a thing and it didn't need to be $50. It didn't need to be going to the store, but something about getting on Amazon and spending $10 on something made me feel in control. And it made me feel like I have autonomy the world can be happening to me, but I'm in control of me and I'm going to get what I need and I'm going to get what I like. <laughs> um, and so um, I noticed like, oh, this is a really interesting thing that's cropping up for me. So it, interestingly, even last week, my husband and I are, were waiting for a, a pretty like anxious uh, business decision to come in, like a, a real estate situation we're like waiting on. Um, and that day I, I had to take one of my kiddos to buy a gift for someone. And I was like, I just want you to know, I almost like, I was very tempted to buy a $200 pair of jeans. I don't have a single pair of jeans that's over $30. Like all my jeans are from old Navy, but I was like, I was very tempted to buy a $200 pair of jeans. Cause that somehow made me feel like we were going to get through this. And my husband said like, I'm really glad you caught yourself because we would have been returning those probably. Um, but, um, I, so I think the first thing we do is like, wait, where is this coming from? Like what, what, what did I consume? What did I see? What, what was spoken in front of me? What did I say? Was it a commercial? Was it something I saw on social media? I tell women, um, and, and we actually have a program called the body shame detox, um, that, that is available like with bringing free. And I tell women, even thinking about things like the old pair of jeans that's hanging in your closet, like a lot of women will have like something that doesn't fit hanging in their closet and they're seeing it every day and they don't realize it's, it's triggering this like, like line of shame that they carry all day. And then at 4 PM, they're super discouraged. No one said anything. They haven't seen it. It's, it's just that pair of jeans, you know? Um, so I think number one kind of set, saying what triggered this, what, where is this coming from? And then this is why I love being a Christian. This is why I love being a woman of God. I'm like, man, we have such an upper hand because then I think the very next step is telling God and just talking to him about it and saying like, this is how I feel about about that conversation I just had, or this is how I feel about the fact that I just realized I have to wear a bathing suit in six weeks. And that's it. <laughs> like actually talking to him then to me usually leads to like, okay, well then, then like once I confess it and say like, I feel this way, I don't really want to feel this way. I experience some of the refreshment that comes from repentance. I get a little insight and wisdom about what to do next. But, uh, you know, one thing I would just say over and over and over again while, while putting out Breaking Free is that women would say, like, it sounds like you're saying we can, like, worship our way to freedom. And I was, I would say, like, I wouldn't say that that's the only thing. I think for a lot of us who are working with injuries and, and, and trauma in this area that's going to need a little bit of help. But I also do think for a lot of us, 
worship is the answer. Getting in the throne room of grace, talking to God about our bodies, asking him, what do you think about this? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to feel when I have to go to this wedding and I feel insecure about the dress and, and believing that he actually cares and, and wants us to talk about it um, has been just really helpful for me. So good. I love that. Um, I love the part in your book. I think you said our bodies are created to and for worship. Um, and I think that that's amazing. And one of my, um, I love also, we do a lot of that. We do a lot of our, like taking our thoughts captive in the moment triggers the things we run to instead of God to find out what we're really hungering for. Yeah. Hungering because there's a lie and that's when he'll drop the scripture. So we do have a guided journal. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So we have a guided journal and it's a download that God gave me when I realized like I was, I was really hungry and I was like emotionally eating, but then he told me, Oh girl, you got some pain to process through. And I was like, Oh, and so, um, but that is so important. And so much healing happens when we do that. We're like, I don't want to run to this false thing, like this. thing. Um, so one thing I, it hit my heart to ask was, and if anyone else has questions, um, feel free to unmute and ask too. Um, you said now you're moving more, like you're moving more than you've ever moved because you're freer. Um, but if you were to like say a statement, I move because, well, Mm. I move because, I love that. I mean, I feel like I have like at least three sentences to fill in with that. I would say I move because I'm free. Um, I would say I move because it's how I hear from God. It's one of the primary like places I hear from God is moving, running. Um, I, I'm sorry. I have so many answers for this. <laughs> I would say I move because I also really believe other women need to see women my size moving. Um, I think they need to see like that this isn't about getting smaller or getting better. It's just because it's, it's like healthy and wise and good for me. Um, I would say I move because I want my kids to know what strength looks like. Um, and that's not the only way I can explain it to them, but I, I do, I like, there is something thrilling to me about them seeing me try things that are harder than, harder than my own capacity. Um, and mostly I would say I move for fun. I, I, I would absolutely say I move for fun. That's so interesting because you think, um, like we, when we feel pressured to move and to move and for a expectation of like what we're needing to meet, we don't want to do it. It's like, I remember telling my life coach one time, um, I didn't want my husband to watch me get ready because I felt like he was waiting on me to look a certain way. He never made me feel that way, but, or a a piece of clothing. And he's like, you should wear this. This looks good on you. I wouldn't want to wear it because I would think I'm going to let down his expectation of what I should be looking like in this. And, and I, and, and then when I felt the freedom of my own healing, I wanted to wear these things because I knew like, the beauty of who I really was. And that when I did put these things on, my beauty did shine through. Mm. Um, But when I would try to keep it contained or control it, I wouldn't do the things that would, if I didn't succeed, like working out and then looking really fit, I wouldn't want to do it. 
because then I would just yeah. be discouraged that it's not ending up the way I expect it or someone else expects it if I'm doing it. Right. So I love that like you move to, so other people can see you move and it's not for them to get this outcome of what you should look like. Yeah. I have another question and this is like just whatever you feel like pops to your, in your heart. Um, when you think about God seeing his girls and defining um, like what he thinks is like radiant and stunning beauty in us, whether that's like a moment or an action or what, what do you, what would you say? Yeah. Wow. That's good. That's a great question. Hmm. Again, so many thoughts come to mind. I mean, I think seeing us be, I think seeing us be obedient is a big one. And I think that's, that word sounds so terrifying and it sounds so restricting to so many people. This morning I was just reading um, Matthew 7, Matthew 6, um, Matthew 7, uh, where, where Jesus says, is teaching the disciples how to pray, you know, and he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. And I was like, you know, obedience is such a terrifying word, but I think like the submission to just say like hands open, like your kingdom come, your will be done in my life today. Um, I, I can't help, but imagine that God sees that as just so beautiful as our saying like, all right, your kingdom come. But I also, I, especially through writing Breaking Free and some research I'm doing for my next book, I think I have to believe that God takes some special delight when his girls rest <laughs> because, um, you know, I don't know. I think like, what's more beautiful, you know, we can think about it as parents, you know, what's more beautiful than when your kid falls asleep in your lap and you're like, wow, they really trust me. Like they are safe. They're not spinning also, you know, because we're human parents, like sometimes like we forget how like wild and wily they are when they're asleep. Like when my kids are asleep, I'm obsessed with them. I'm like, oh, you're the best. <laughs> um, so I think, yeah, I think he's got to be especially pleased when he sees his girls rest. I would say when, when we do brave things for his glory, when we step into our gifts, you know, without a desire for how other, other people are going to perceive it. Those would be some top things that come to mind for me. That was a really sweet analogy about your kids. Mm. You know, I was like, oh, that is, they look like babies. You're like, oh, <laughs> they do. That's awesome. You know, too, it's kind of like our your heartbeats kind of align, you know, like we can feel like their bodies are pressed against yours. Yes. And it's yes. so sweet. Like, that's like our bodies being pressed against God's. I guess a question, like when you're in a trans, like in a transition period in your life, uh, whether with like babies or getting injured or anything, how do you stay grounded um, during that time? That's just different and might may or may not have lasting effects afterwards. Yeah. Whew. Yeah. That's the question. So, I mean, I don't, I, I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I feel like talking to God about it. I, I just feel like one of maybe one of the most dangerous things we can do is feel like it's our, it's ours to hold and it's ours to figure out. Um, and like, it's ours to make better and it's ours to fix. And like, we just have to get over it where I think again, our father's like, would you talk to me about this? Like, this is really hard. You know, this transition that you're in, this phase that you're in, like, I, I actually have compassion for you. I have compassion for your, how your body feels broken or how it feels just not quite right. 
Um, so I would say talking to him feels so important. Um, on a really logistical standpoint, like on a less, on a less, you know, spiritual standpoint, I would say like, again, it, it's almost going back to the, like buying something on Amazon. I, I think that, um, I think that there is like a really fine line between coping mechanisms and rhythms that help us experience the authority and goodness that we have like right in our midst. Right. And so, um, I would say if somebody was like, listen, I'm in a newborn season or I am working through an injury, I would, I would also encourage them. I would say, talk to God about it, like speak life over your body. And then also I would find rhythms that were life-giving and healthy and, and wise for you to also like bless your body, whether that's, Hey, every day at 2 PM, I'm going to sit and have a cup of coffee and, and like read a Psalm, or I'm going to just sit and practice some breathing, or, you know, I might be injured. So I can't do things that I used to do, but I'm going to go on a walk every morning and I'm going to ask God what he has to say for say to me, you know? So I think, um, not finding like coping mechanisms, but finding rhythms that, that we can experience in our body is huge. Um, like it, it feels like deeper than finding the silver lining, but like finding the beauty in your body in that season. I like that so much. Um, so have you guys all seen Encanto? <laughs> I actually haven't. My kids have, but I like, I hear it in the background, but I haven't sat down and watched it, which is a problem. I've seen bits and pieces, but they all get gifts, like the kids. And there's this sister named Lisa, and she's really strong. And she has like huge biceps and she can like carry these donkeys and pick up houses. And it's Layton's favorite song in the movie. But anyways, I, I watched that and I'm like, I felt like her. (laughs) Like I used to feel like this girl that like, had to be this strong, physically strong, regimented person. And I was for like three or four years. And then I just started, God just kind of brought me into a season of physical, like I still move, but it's like sustainable and flowy and like therapeutic and and like, you know, it's just not as it was so hard before. And over time, it's just, it'll wear you down. And I think that that's what I've kind of done is like, I'm like, okay, God, like, do I have peace in doing this? And like, yeah, does it feel too heavy? You know what I mean? Like, long yeah. so, um, but yeah, I think another question is, is like inviting him into that space, like as you're working out or even with like fueling your body well, are yeah. there times where or thoughts that you catch, like, while you're going into a meal or, um, maybe you're out to eat and you know, what, what's a good mindset that you put on to not, to kind of take your thoughts, thoughts captive or notice the thoughts that float up that are like, no, this is going to put me yeah. in that place. Like, can you give yeah. us yeah. I mean, I think you're, you are so wise and just like noticing that I think the big deal is like noticing the rhythm of when they come, like it's been interesting in light of breaking free. I've talked to a lot of women and there's been so much power in saying like, Hey, can we all talk about what we think about when we're getting ready for church? Because that's gross. Like that's often pretty bad, you know, like, 
oh, I hope they think I look pretty. Oh, I hope they think I look together. Like that sounds funny, but like, that's what a lot of us are thinking. Like, I hope they think I look good. I'm worshiping. I hope they think I look wise. I hope they think I, you know, like all that. And so I think like even noticing that rhythm of like, this is how I feel when I'm going into that place helps us to pause and be like, okay, I don't want to think that anymore. Um, but, you know, it's, interesting about about meals um I, I didn't end up writing this in a breaking free but I've had a lot of a lot of really practical conversations since then where I've said you know it's a kind of like a cultural Christianity thing for us to pray when we have a meal but it's really helpful to pause and talk to God before we eat you know to say like okay how can we honor you like a, just as something we pray a lot in our house is like God we hope you enjoy this meal as much as we do like we, we honor that you're here and that, and that you're present and that this is worship too, you know? Um, and so I would say like embracing some of those rhythms a little bit more. And, and obviously it's not going to be like super appropriate to be at a fancy restaurant and say like, dear God, please help me, um, to not overeat tonight because I'm feeling anxious, <laughs> you know, like, but it is just still a moment to pause and say like, all right, God, you're here. I love you. I honor you and bless you for this provision. And, and yeah, like help me to glorify you even when I eat. Um, I think that can be a really helpful rhythm. And so I would say the same before you exercise, like the same before you move your body um, as much as you can to just pause and say, hey, you're in this. I want to experience you in this. I want to squeeze out every moment of your glory from this moment, from this run or this class or this walk um, that I can. Will you help me do that? I just like, I'm so thankful for this time with you, Jess. I have a, another question. Um, <laughs> So you have four kids. Do you have any girls? I have one girl. Yeah. Oh, how old is she? She's 13. She, she oh. turns 14 on Monday. Oh my gosh. Wow. So yeah. I was going to kind of ask a question versus maybe open up the thought process. Um, so in your book, it was like the very beginning of it that really hit me with the little girl in the car. Oh, it's made me cry. Oh. And I just think about, because I have a daughter, I think about the things that we could do or say um, to help whatever light is being so planted in our girls' heads so early and so young, especially with social media. My kids don't have social media. I won't, yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. just those things. Um, well, I feel like I'm telling you what I, God has, I have, God has a word for you right now, because as soon as you were talking, I've never said this to anybody else, but I've, I want to tell you like, I've actually never said this and I've gotten asked that question a lot. I want to tell you like God is mightier in her than this issue. And he, even, even if, even if she were just to go to the depths of struggle with it, which I pray in Jesus name, she won't because she's got a mom who's free and like, she's got her own story. I think this next generation is so actually, I really believe this. I think this next generation is so much more well-equipped to fight this battle than ours was. Um, I think they have language. I think they have like a cultural sensitivity about it. Um, but I just think about like my struggles with it. And I honestly, like, while I grieve a lot of it, I, I, I really do believe in healing. And so even the even the pain, if someone said like, Hey, listen, you wouldn't have to go through all the pain you went through and all the lies you heard and all the things that were spoken over you, but you wouldn't have the victory. I'd be like, give me the pain. I'll take the pain because I want the victory, you know? And so I want to just say to you just specifically, like God is mightier in her 
than anything she's going to face. Um, and that's not to say we don't grieve it. And that's not to say we don't protect them. And that's not to say we don't be intentional about it. But um, I just, every once in a while, God will give me the gumption to like remind myself of that about my kids. Like the enemy is not going to take them out. Like God is so mighty in them, you know? Um, and I'll tell them that too. Sometimes I'll be like, you think you're messing around with sin and you want to mess with something like uh, God's bigger. So just do whatever you need to do. And he's going to get you. Um, but so that being said, I think just one of the best things we can do for our kids is live our own freedom out in front of them. Um, and the best news I have for moms, because you can imagine, I've just talked at this point to thousands of moms who are like, you don't understand. I am the problem. Like I am the villain. Like I am the problem in my home. And I said, like, actually that's great news. Because when a kid sees their mom change, and when a kid sees their mom's language change, when a kid sees the beautiful process of repentance and watches somebody like come up against us an issue and then shift and say like, we're not talking like that anymore. We're not doing that anymore. It's act, like, it's those kids that conquer the world, you know? Um, and so even if, even for the moms who come to me are like, I'm the, I'm the worst. My language about my body's the worst. I'm always on a diet. My kids know I'm on a diet. I'm like, listen, you're going to have some, you're going to have some special level of victory when, when you give this to God and the freedom hits. But for the rest of us, I would just say a lot of times people say like, what can I tell my daughter about her body? What can I say to her? What verses should I be teaching her? I'm like, you can do all of that. You should, you should for sure bless her body. Um, and I know a lot of moms are really nervous. Like, should I not say she's beautiful? Should I not call my son's handsome? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to give him a complex. I'm like, I, I think like, you know, a heart that wants to do the right thing is so beautiful. But um, I just, I think like the biggest thing they need to see is us living out our own freedom. And, and sometimes that means they need to see us struggling and then choosing freedom. You know, they need, they might even need to hear us say like, today, I don't actually feel great about my body or today I'm really discouraged about how it's feeling broken, but I trust God and here's what he said about me. And so I'm going to believe that and I'm going to live into that freedom. I just feel like we can glorify God so much in what we do, you know, with, with our bodies and um, how we eat. And, um, and I, you talked about that freedom and I love that. I, you know, I think that's what it's about. I just, I think like this experience with, all of, I mean, just all the struggles that we deal with as women and, you know, starting at puberty and probably even before, um, I think one thing that I've tried to like embrace over the years is just like, we are women and we are all beautiful. And it's like this birthright of like being a woman. And it's like this striving for something that we already have. So, um, like, like a zebra, like a zebra has stripes because it's a zebra. Like we are beautiful because we're women. Like it's an innate thing. Um, I don't have a daughter, but I think that's something that if I did have a daughter, I'd want her to, to instill in her that like beauty is your birthright. And God sees you as beautiful and the world is very, you know, is it objective, subjective? Like it's, everyone's going to look at you differently and that doesn't matter because what you have, you, 
what you want and what you're striving for, you already possess. And um, your whole life, the world is going to tell you otherwise. So it's like, it's there to just accept. And um, I think that there was a really big breakthrough when I read the book Captivating. I don't know if anybody else has read this book, but she talks about how just it's the striving or the hiding that diminishes our beauty as women. It's not that it's not there. It's that it's less beautiful when we're striving for it or we're hiding from it. So someone who wants someone who maybe has gone through like sexual trauma and they want to put on the weight because they want to hide or somebody who's trying and trying and trying. And it's like, it's already there, but they're the only ones who don't see it. So it's ours to have and to, to carry with us with just like this, this feeling of like, it can't be taken away and that it is only diminished by our striving or hiding from it. And I think this, that breakthrough with that book, Captivating, I think like my whole growing up, I was just like, I would work out for, for vanity. And now in my forties, it's for sanity. It's not for vanity because, because we're already there. We already have it. So we don't need to work for it. If that makes sense. Um, and now it's, I love that. Thank you. It's like, I don't know for, for sanity, because it really does affect our well being and our mental capacities and our energy and just the best that we can like, just our, how we feel in our bodies. So that's, that's been the big transition is like from vanity to sanity. And it really is, it really does keep, keep me like sane. Jess, we just want to say thank you so much for your heart and your obedience to do this. And I just know there's still a lot of women that are um, just carrying way too much pressure and weight and just feeling a lack of they have to do more, you know, rather than just being loved where they're at um, and how God created them and the beauty that they already have. So I was wondering, would you close us in prayer? And also, would you pray for um, the woman who maybe felt like you did and paint a vision of what is for her and what God has for her on the other side in freedom. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to pull up some scripture too. Father, we thank you for this time together. We thank you for the work you're doing. And yeah, we just, we pray for, for all of our souls on this path of healing, whether we feel like we're at the beginning of it or at the end of it, or in the very scariest middle. Um, I just remember your words about Jesus, this prophecy from Isaiah 61 that says the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord. For the display of his splendor, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. God, we just want to come under agreement with your word that that's what Jesus does. And we want to just hold this part of our lives up and say, do it here to bring the healing, bring the 
rebuilding where there's been devastation, bring um, passion for the freedom of others. Um, we cannot wait to see what you're going to do. Our hopes are up in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that this episode of the Bloom Strong podcast blessed your life and added so much value to your day. If you'd like to partner with us and support us, go to www.bloomstrongministries.org. You can find us on social media at Bloom Strong Ministries. Thank you.